thinking routines in the classroom? Could it be more than just another see, think, wonder, or more than just another activity for that matter? Hello, I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Learning Capacity. This podcast is brought to you by LearnFast, improving student learning outcomes with educational neuroscience since 1999. If you're looking for science-based language, learning, and reading programs for your school or child, visit learnfasthome.com.au. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast absolutely for free. You can search for Learning Capacity on iTunes or visit soundcloud.com slash learnfast. Cultures of Thinking is an educational framework that emerged from the work of Ron Richard and the Project Zero team at Harvard University. This episode belongs to an eight-part series where I delve into each of the eight cultural forces that, according to Ron Richard, we must master in order to truly transform our schools. My guest in the series is Simon Brooks, who spent years implementing cultures of thinking into his classrooms and now helps teachers introduce the framework into their schools. In this series, we'll take a closer look at each of the eight cultural forces with an emphasis on practical ways to implement the theory behind it all. This is part six, where we discuss the cultural force of routines. Routines, a sequence of actions designed to achieve a specific outcome in an efficient and productive manner. Simon, there's that word efficient again. Perhaps not uh, efficient, maybe, but perhaps not effective, but we'll talk about that in a moment. And for the teacher as a culture shaper, routines represent a set of shared practices that constitute a group's way of doing things. Mm. Now, routines are often seen as activities, but Richard describes routines as much more than an activity. But the thing is that when I've found myself in a thinking routine or when I've seen a a thinking routine demonstrated, it feels like an activity. So how do we generate the vibe of routines being more than just activities? A number of the schools that I've worked with, I've begun with routines, and Ron writes about that in, in this book too, that routines actually can be a really powerful place to begin because they have immediate practical relevance in the classroom. And teachers like that about yeah. professional learning. Sure. There's something they can pick up and take away and use straight away. It's not all theory, that it's practice. After a while, there is a potential downside of that And it's something that I like to call the see, think, wonder groan. (laughs) I've heard that groan. (laughs) And the groan can happen. In many ways, the groan is actually a really encouraging sign. Because when whole schools jump on board with these ideas and teachers go away and start using routines, children can experience see, think, wonder in lots of different classrooms, often within the same week. In different contexts. That's right. And therefore, if a teacher begins a lesson by saying, okay, students, today we're going to do see, think, wonder, then sometimes in that context, the effect Uh. could be "Mm." (laughs) because they're a bit see, think, wondered out. Yeah. So it's encouraging in that it means that teachers are actually exploring these ideas. But it speaks to your question as well about the difference between routines and, and the concept of maybe a routine being an activity. I think how we break that down is this. After schools and teachers have gone through that initial implementation phase, when they're just playing with and applying these routines, there's actually a more powerful question for teachers to ask themselves. And that question is, what kind of thinking do my students need to do right now? Yeah. That's actually the most effective start point. So if we begin with that, whatever it is that we're learning, whatever students it is that we're learning it with, What's the thinking that they need to do in service of developing understanding? Then, can we find a routine 
that is in service of that thinking. That's the most effective way to use routines. So there's reflection before we think about an activity. I think so. Reflection and analysis, really. Because if we, if we start by saying we're doing see, think, wonder, then it's the activity that's taking over. But if we start by thinking about what's the thinking we want to do, then it's the routine in service of the thinking. I guess then a teacher also has to think about whether or not thinking is important to them. As in, is thinking in this context important or is it about knowing? And I guess this comes back to the, the, the initial idea about the, the entire cultures of thinking framework, isn't it? Thinking versus knowing. So if you, take, if you have to take yourself right back to the beginning every single time, well, there's obviously got to be some value in that as well because it means you yourself are reevaluating all the time. So in terms of avoiding that activity-based vibe in the classroom, is there something that we can kind of sneak in there with the students before we do the routine so that they don't just think that it's yet another activity? I think we sneak it in rather than before the routine. I think we the routine is what we sneak in. Ah, uh, okay. So right. when I when I see see think wonder being delivered most effectively, it's not badged up as being see think wonder. So it's more along the lines that a teacher's sharing some sort of interesting um, visual stimulus, and so they say and they'll say to the students, okay, today. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be really digging deeply into this visual stimulus and trying to unpack what's going on in it. So the first thing I want you to do, students, is just take a moment or so. Can you, can you just jot down what you notice in this picture? Can you do that first? And then they do that. They jot that down. Mm. And after that, so what are your theories now about what's going on in this image based on what you've seen? Have you got any theories? Can we share those and those surface yeah. and ideas spark around and jump around? And after all of that's happened... Right, we've we've got we've had a lot of theories about this this image, but what are you left thinking or asking? What questions have you got? And then those are surfaced and they they spark spark off further inquiry. The students have just done see think wonder, but they don't even know it. Yes, it's clandestine. Yes, it's under the radar by stealth. <laughs> no, but I like that because effectively what you're saying is we can do all of these routines and we could probably do them more often than not. The only thing that we need to do is just not label them. And sometimes labeling is okay, but then when the see, think, wonder groan happens, it's time to think about a different way. Let's talk about a couple of other types of routines. Um, there's often been some confusion between management and instructional routines, management and instructional as, as one type or one category of routines, and then thinking routines. So the, the, those are the two categories. So on one, case, on one side, you've got management and instructional, and then thinking routines. And it's also been suggested that the management or instructional routines are often used by, by new teachers, and that's not surprising, or teachers uh, who might be struggling to manage a particular class. Again, that's not surprising. However, the problem with that is that it leads to an emphasis on uh, teacher direction, teacher delivery, and student control, rather than the promotion of thinking and learning. How do these two approaches differ in, their, in the, the way that they work? I mean, why is one better than the other? Well, I'm going to group them a little differently, actually, and see what happens. I'm going to put management routines in one spot, and then I'm going to put instructional and thinking routines in the other spot and see how that plays out. Well, let's first talk about management routines. First thing to acknowledge about these is that these are really important. Mm. And there are lots of different management routines. Uh, I've seen primary school teachers do uh, one, two, three, eyes on me. Yeah, uh, and that's I've a management seen that too. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a management routine. Um, if I tried to use that as a high school teacher, I'm not sure that would go down very well. No, I don't think that's going to fly. 
So sometimes, but it's very powerful in many primary school classrooms. So sometimes management routines can be um, context specific. Um, I've seen other teachers. In fact, I've seen some of the, the um, some folks from Harvard use the one with older learners, which is when you want everybody to be quiet, you just raise your hand in silence and then you wait and slowly but surely everybody else sees that your hand's up and they raise their hand in silence and then everybody goes quiet together without yeah. a word being yeah. said. I had one of the management routines that I always found was really powerful as a teacher is that when I'd invited students into my classroom, I wouldn't begin the lesson until they'd all stood in silence behind their chairs. And when they're in silence and I invited them to sit down, then we'd begin. Yeah. And then the reverse at the end of the lesson, I'd, I'd ask them to stand behind their chairs in silence so that I could ask them, so I could say farewell and ask them to leave. So I'll just jump in there. Do you think some people might see that as being a bit uh, old school? A bit yeah, old-fashioned. I think so. It absolutely could be. And it and I think it depends on context. It depends on the teacher. It depends on so many factors. For me, I always found it worked. It was like a bookend at the start and the end of the lesson, a, a, a place where order existed so that intellectual disorder could happen in the middle but, was, but still felt like it was nurtured and supported. I guess that refers back to something else that we were talking about in our discussion on time. Because you're realizing that your time with your students is incredibly valuable. You want to make the most of that time. So you're, you're setting bookends that separate your time from the busyness of everything else that's going on in the day. So you're saying, right, th- I, I just want to be here now with you guys and girls. Uh, let's just carve out the next 40 minutes. Agreed. There are other management routines, and I'll maybe being a bit controversial here because I'll be... I, I don't often like to say there is a right and a wrong way of doing things. You can be controversial here. It's a safe place to be controversial. There's well, thanks, Colin. That makes me feel good. There's only thousands of people listening. <laughs> Look, I don't often like to say there's rights and wrongs, but there are a couple of management routines that I have occasionally seen and or heard about over the years that I don't think are in service of lasting learning. I think one of those is writing children's names up on the, on the board who have been misbehaving. Uh. That's a management routine. <laughs> it is. I've seen that one used. I'd rather, when children's names go up on the board, it's in celebration of the learning they've been doing. That's an interesting flip around of that idea, isn't it? That it's a good thing to be up on the board, not a bad thing. Another one I've sometimes seen is the classroom lockout. Uh, this, this one's often used with, uh, sometimes used with senior school students. Uh, if they're late for class, then the door's locked and they're not coming in. And the, the principle there is that then they'll learn... Oh, yeah. not to be late next time. Yeah. Well, learning, learning by exclusion. <laughs> that's right. Well, will they? I'm not sure. And, um, a, and a note to our listeners, don't use the lockout management routine when there's a lockdown in procedure. Mm, that, could be, that could be bad news. <laughs> I think those type of management routines can suck a lot of the energy out of a learning space, um, can run contrary to the ideas that we talk about in building a culture of thinking. So there are, there are management routines that I think are, are, are ineffective and there are others, and I think it's important to acknowledge, that I think are really, really important to be in place. But they're all different to instructional routines. So when we talk about instructional routines, well, I think that those are practices and procedures which we use to facilitate effective learning. Okay. Ron makes brief mention of the, of the UK, actually, in the book here. And in the UK, there, there is a big focus, and coming out of that context, I know about it, that we have an, inst- uh, an instructional routine of a starter and a plenary um, at the beginning and end of lessons. A starter activity to get them connecting with whatever the learning is in that lesson, and a plenary to get them evaluating what it is that they've learned in, in that lesson. 
Those are instructional routines and can be really, really powerful ways of facilitating effective learning. I guess they're also good for developing uh, habits of process in terms of, uh, you know, I teach in a technology-based environment, and if you don't have routines or process in a workshop-based environment, you'll end up with the tools all over the place, and that doesn't facilitate any kind of good learning at all. And that's the difference between management routines, helping to classes to run smoothly and probably safely, and instructional routines facilitating effective learning, and a particular type of instructional routine, this is where I see thinking routines nesting into instructional routines, well, thinking routines are instructional, but with a press for a specific form of thinking. So if we take a routine like claim support question, which is a really powerful routine, well, it's instructional, it's there to, to facilitate effective learning, but it's pressing for hypothesizing, for justification, and for wondering. Those are the thinking moves it's pressing for. That's why that's a thinking routine, which is an example of an instructional routine. More from our discussion with Simon coming up. If you'd like to catch up on all of the interviews in this series on cultures of thinking, then why not check out the Learning Capacity Archives? You can find the podcast on iTunes by searching for Learning Capacity, or you can visit soundcloud.com learnfast in your web browser of choice. Richard suggests as well that thinking routines should be largely evaluated by the students. So how would that work? I think a, a, a simple conversation at the end of the lesson would be really, really powerful. You know, students today, we, we use Connect Extend Challenge to deepen our understanding of, of the poem we're exploring. What worked for you when we used that routine? What felt tricky for you when we did it? And how might we get better at it next time? Again, that comes back to the, the whole, I'm not comfortable with being evaluated by my students in real time. So it might be one thing to get them to write something down on a piece of paper and you just read it later when no one else is around, but there you're actually asking them in real time, what did you think of that? That could be confronting. Could be confronting, but is inevitably empowering. And not only is it valuable as a, as a piece of formative assessment for the teacher on how things are going, but it sends a message to the learners that, I, as a teacher, that their teacher is focused constantly on wanting to be the best teacher they can be, that their teacher is learning too. And that stage might be hard to get to because if you think about the other routines that we were just talking about in terms of management and instructional, because schools are such ridiculously busy places, and again, this comes back to our other conversation on time, we might just not get past management and instructional routines because by the time we've got through all of that, there's only five minutes left to go in the lesson. Bell's gone. Uh, evaluation. Sorry, we'll do that tomorrow. And when you think about the fact that that could easily accumulate very, very regularly, you can see how management and instructional routines start to take over. How do we stop that from happening? When we think about a culture of thinking, the thing that we're prioritizing is thinking opportunities. Many of those thinking opportunities take the form of thinking routines. It's a big rock for us in a culture of thinking. We know that management routines are important too, but they're not the most important thing. And in a culture of thinking, part of our central values systems as teachers is the thinking opportunities are the most important thing, and I will make sure that the biggest portion of time in my class is set aside for that. 
Leaving SeaThink Wonder aside for a moment... How dare you, Colin? <laughs> ...labelled or unlabelled, we'll just park it for a moment. You've used routines extensively. Give us your top three. Connect, extend, challenge. Colour symbol, image. And parts, purposes and complexities. And all of those have three major points to them, I've yes, just noticed. they do. Okay, I haven't so, even noticed that, but they do. <laughs> yes, so let's go with the first one. Okay, connect, extend, challenge. So uh, one of these comes out of the context of um, a class that I've taught, and the other two are classes that I've seen happening. So the first one, connect, extend, challenge. Well, I saw this one in the context of a year seven science class where students in that class were identifying complexity in the world around them in terms of changing states of matter. And that's how the teacher framed it up. Today, students, we're going to be exploring the complexity of changing states of matter, and we'll do that through using a thinking routine called Connect, Extend, Challenge. So it was labelled up front. Mm -hmm. It was mentioned. But notice the flip there. It was the complexity, what the thinking will be that was identified first, and the routine was in service of that. Oh, okay. So um, I, I'm not a science teacher myself, but my uh, recollection from that lesson is that um, there are three forms of changing states of matter that young people are already pretty familiar with, and those are melting, freezing, and boiling. Mm -hmm. And so they talked a little bit about what those <laughs> things were. <laughs> I think teachers could probably experience all of those states in any normal day, <laughs> melting, probably. freezing, and boiling. Yes, in an emotional way. I think <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. true. So there was some talk around what those things looked like. But then what the teacher did is that they did this really effective move. They played a short um, YouTube video. It was only two or three minutes long. And in it, in that video, many other different forms of changing states of matter were, were seen, were visually apparent. But there was no explanation as to what was happening. Now, I knew from my limited knowledge of science, that what the students were looking at is they were looking at different forms of changing states of matter, specifically condensation, sublimation, and deposition. But the students didn't know that language. They just saw it happening. I'm not surprised. They're big words. Very big words. And obviously that was the part of the teacher's goal is sort of communicating that language and unpacking what those things mean. Yeah. But instead of going straight to that language, after the, the kids had seen the video, the teacher said, okay, so when you watch this video... What connections, in terms of what you've just seen here, can you make to what we already talked about in terms of melting, freezing, and boiling? How does watching the video extend your understanding of those three changing yeah. states of matter? And finally, what's challenging here for you? What questions have you got? The discussion that emerged from that was so powerful. The children didn't have the language of condensation, sublimation, and deposition, but they could see it happening in the video. And started to have a whole conversation about how's that happening? Why is that happening? So that by the time it got to the end of the lesson and the teacher dropped that language on them, they had a will to receive that language. Yeah, okay. That reminds me a little bit about uh, of an English context when we try to define irony. Uh, the best definition I've ever heard is, uh, I don't know how to define irony, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> I like that. It's self-referential. It's good. <laughs> okay. And your second, uh, your second thinking routine. This is a class I taught. Um, I was teaching a year 11 class. And my goal for the lesson was to help children find layers of meaning in a poem called Japanese Maple by Clive James. Famous Australian, now living in the UK. Indeed. Hugely moving poem of a couple of years ago. Um, Clive James uh, has cancer and he knows that it's terminal. Mm. And wrote this poem, Japanese Maple, 
thinking that he would be passing away very soon after. So the poem, and if your listeners want to look at it, is just so, so moving. A key idea in the poem is that, surprisingly to Clive James, in, his fi- in what he thought were his final days of life, his experience of the world around him was just intensifying, not diminishing. Oh, isn't that interesting? So it's, for that reason, it's a, it's a really interesting poem. We explored the, the poem as a class, and then in order to find the layers of meaning in the poem, I asked the children to engage in a routine which is called colour symbol image. Find three big ideas in the poem, represent one of them with a colour that captures it, another with a symbol that captures it, another with an image that captures it, but it can't be a colour or a symbol or an image from the poem, so you can't just pick a Japanese maple tree which is mentioned. Sure. How a gardener writes that in, in the development of understanding, it is advantageous to develop multiple diverse representations of the same entity. And it's that theory which underpins color symbol image. By representing these big ideas symbolically, it enriches the children's understanding of them. There's an enormous amount of depth in this routine. Huge. You wouldn't think that just by thinking color symbol image. Yeah. And so I remember at the end of that lesson, getting a really powerful sense that those children had made sense of the depth of this poem and the big ideas in it through the routine that they'd used to do it. And your third routine? My third routine is, I think, the best lesson that I've ever observed taking place. And it was in the class of a year 12 technology teacher. Oh, hooray. There you are. I thought you'd be pleased with that. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I've not, even, I've not been to see one of your lessons. So, you know, there's hope for the future. Yeah, there's hope. There's always hope. <laughs> this, um, I don't know why and how it fitted into what the teacher was doing, but the purpose of this whole lesson was to explore the creativity of doorknob design. Oh, that's, uh, well, that's a challenge. That's what these students were doing. And so the teacher used the routine, and I'd, I'd actually worked with the teacher before the lesson to, in preparation for it. But then I watched it and I thought, wow, the teacher really made this lesson sing. Parts, purposes, and complexities, they, the teacher just gave um, the students in groups of three a bunch of doorknobs and a big piece of butcher's paper and said, on the butcher's paper, can you identify all of the parts of the doorknob? What are the purposes of all of the parts? And then what are the complexities of the doorknob? In terms of these parts, which ones are particularly uh, complex, ingenious, in terms of the relationship between the part and the purpose? Mm. So the students did all of that, and the butcher's paper was filling up already. But then the lesson really took off when the teacher handed out a bunch of screwdrivers. Uh, Okay, now you can pull them apart. Children pull them apart. Which in the industry we call a teardown. Well, I did not know that, so thank you for adding that in. I could not believe how many parts there are inside a doorknob. Tiny little springs, little screws, pieces of metal shaped in ways that I didn't understand. And then the children identified all of those parts, speculated about the purpose of all of those parts, and then obviously a lot more complexity emerged from it. It was at the point where they were holding tiny little springs that you could hardly even see, but speculating at length about the purpose of those. They left that lesson understanding that in something that seems so simple like a doorknob, there is immense creativity embedded. They were appreciating how the world around them is a cleverly constructed place. And that's what that year 12 technology teacher wanted to emerge from that lesson. Question is, did they manage to put them back together? 
Well, I do not know the answer. I think, it, judging from what I saw, I think that would have been tricky. Well, coming back to something we were talking about earlier again, uh, it's nice to see how all these things relate. This is actually a fairly low-cost thing to do. It might sound like a high-cost thing to do, but for you know, for around about $10 in your local hardware store, you can buy a doorknob that has an enormous amount of complexity. Yes. So if they don't put it back together again, well, it's only $10. Yeah. Okay, so... Let's think about a teacher who's been exposed to the cultures of thinking framework. They've been working with it in their school and it's been, uh, well, it's been, it's been done. And they're thinking, I'm routined out. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> What's your advice to them? Stop using them. <laughs> Doctor, it hurts when I do this. <laughs> then stop doing that. <laughs> yes, I think so. Stop using it. I mean, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't feel like it's working, if it's not in service of anything, then it's best to stop and turn back to actually what's the thinking behind the routines. Over the years, some people have said to me, why is cultures of thinking pedagogy not just another fad like all of the other fads in education? I've asked that question. It's a good question. Did you ask it to me? No, I asked it to Ron. Oh, there you are. And what did Ron say? He said it's not a fad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not surprised that was his answer. And actually, I asked Cameron Patterson as well. That's in episode 46. And his response to me was, Colin, Thinking's not new. <laughs> and he's stolen my thunder because I was going to say the same thing. If, if a culture of thinking is about thinking routines, then it might become a fad. If it's just about using routines and people not understanding why they're using them, it could be the next flavor of the month. So if, if you've got your teacher and they're feeling a bit routined out, then let's not think about the routines. Let's go to the thinking behind the routines. Because as Cameron said, as Ron said... That thinking is never going to grow old. The real question here is how do we create rich thinking opportunities for our learners in service of bringing learning alive and developing deep learning understanding? Routines can do that. Routines are a powerful way of doing that, but they're not the only way. Simon, it's been great to speak with you. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Colin. You've been listening to Learning Capacity, brought to you by LearnFast. If you'd like to know more about the Cultures of Thinking framework, then you can visit ronrichart.com or visit the Harvard University Project Zero website at pz.harvard.edu. If you'd like to find out more about our guest, Simon Brooks, then you can visit simonbrookseducation.com. And if you'd like to know more about LearnFast and educational neuroscience programs for your school or child, then visit learnfasthome.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now.